All right, all right, all right. Welcome to May Men Mondays. This is your man, DB, transformed from trauma victim into a victor over trauma, and I'm your emotional, responsive coach. You are now inside the Main Man Project, where every Monday we are bringing you an empowering personal message to dismantle society's false sense of masculinity and change the male narrative. Thanks for coming through today, family. Ashley Walker states, you think being a man is being strong, being hard, knowing how to defend yourself. But being a man is about learning how to walk away. My guest today is Ryan Smith, the Positive Self Storyteller and creator of the Positive Self Storyteller podcast. In this episode, Ryan shares a very powerful story where he is transparent, vulnerable, and exposed. Ryan truly opens up about his struggles without shame, fear, guilt, or apprehension. This is the essence of what this podcast is about, and Ryan's story surely does change the male narrative. So make sure you listen, you share it with others who you think can benefit from it. Just copy and paste the link. You can view all, you can view the full interview on my YouTube channel, Derek Butler Powers. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, click the bell, and share, share, share. Remember to subscribe to the Made Man Project and leave us a rating and review. Now, let the show begin. Let the dismantling take place. Hey, yo, fellas, we, we made men. We made men. Try to believe that within. I just want to be a good man. Okay. I know you all, but tell me you a good man. Tell me you're a good man. So many men are being crushed. Societal demands to be tough. Yes, you, yes, you are enough. Okay. I just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, because you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man. Beside you, I'm right behind you. I know that life could be hard. Right? You're not a coward, you got the power for talking about your stars. No, you're not so. Let me inspire you, empower you because society may want to see you fall. You got another brother to call. So many men are being crushed. Societal demands to be tough. Yes, you, yes, you are enough. Don't bluff. Okay. I can't relate to you, brother, because you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man. Hey, hey, I'm here, my brother. I love you. Yes, you guess you are enough. I just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, because you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man. All right, all right. You know what it is. This is Made Men Mondays. Welcome to the Made Men Project. This is your host, DB Empowers, your emotional responsive coach. And we are here with a positive self storyteller, Mr. Ryan Smith himself. Mr. Ryan Smith, Host a podcast, a positive self storyteller. I met this young man a few months back, man. He's doing incredible things in the world of mental health. And it's just not, you know, designated to females, males. It's just mental health, period. You know, mental health is not gender specific. And he is there to help bridge the gap and make sure that we are giving this, you know, the due attention that it deserves. So this is my man, Ryan Smith. Hey, how you doing, Ryan? Uh, I'm doing really well. Doing really well. Thank you. Uh, thanks, DB. Thanks for having me on here and uh, you know return the favor because uh, you know you were on mine in my second one, right. and that's got so many listens, and I took so much away from that that also my listeners did. So uh, yeah, big up to you, man, doing this podcast and adding value and making awareness for this whole mental health movement. You know, it's so important. So yes, important. Sir. Sir. Thank you, brother. Actually, Ryan is the one who taught me how to get my podcast onto. Anchor and like you know, so I want you to guys, I want you guys to know that when you're collaborating, when you're doing things with people, it don't always have to be a competition. It don't always have to be, you know, a lot of people don't want to share things with you. And I hit this man up and asked him, Hey, listen, 
thinking about doing my podcast. How do I, you know, do this and do that? And he welcomed, like he was a wealth of information and knowledge, and he was going to help me get my stuff on all the podcast platforms. So, Ryan, I truly appreciate you for that, brother. Um, not hoarding information, not wanting to share or help anybody out. You know, this is bigger than just you and I, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad that you respect and understand that. And it's no competition. It can't be a competition on what we're doing. We have, you know, it's all for the one for one cause, and that's just to make sure people are better, you know, get people from where they are to where they need, desire, deserve to be. So, man, I appreciate you, brother. No, no, but no again, the appreciation is all mine. Like, why would I hold it back? You know, you got to think the more right. the more people speak about it, the more the more people, right, right. you know, listen to it. There's more voices. I can reach a certain audience, and there's a certain audience I can't reach. Well, you can reach a certain audience, and there's a certain audience you can't reach. Absolutely. So more the merrier. And if anybody needs any help moving forward with anything, you know, that's what this world's about. We've got to communicate, and we've got to help each other to raise the bar and get to where we think we should be, and that's greatness. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, you know what we're here to do, man, in the Main Man Project. We are dismantling society's false sense of masculinity. We are changing the male narrative. So, Brian, to you, the, the first question I have for you, man, is as a boy, what, what, who and what was your example of a man? Uh, so my example of a man was my dad. Uh, you know, I, I grew up uh, with, you know, typical my, my dad and my mom and my older brother. Mm-hmm. And my dad was quite traditional in yeah. the sense that, you know, his father, my grandfather was quite traditional. And then his father's father was extremely traditional. So, you know, we, we take, we're talking, um, you know, the man's man. And there's a sort of, you know, very disciplinarian. You know, okay. and then that sort of watered down ever so slightly as it became, you know, into my dad. So it started quite, no, not bad, but it started quite, uh, you know, strict. And then eventually then it started to get a bit watered down. So, yeah, for me, you know, growing up, you know, my dad always worked hard. You know, he never missed a day of work. He was always on the grind. But he was also quite angry at mm. the system as well, you know. And I think that's due to what he his example of the father was, mm. you know, so there needs to be a generation that breaks that cycle. Absolutely. And, you know, now I'm a, a father to a beautiful four-year-old daughter. I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. I now look at what my father, how he raised me. And I think that there are some aspects that I want to take forward, but there's a lot of aspects, aspects I do not want to take forward. Yeah. Uh, and that's because, I'm on a self-development path and I'm always reflecting where my dad is something, unfortunately he can't do. Absolutely. That's can't do it. That's critical, man. And I like what you said about breaking that, breaking that generational lock of what it means to be a man. So when you were a boy though, what did being a man mean to you? When you thought about a man, like what did that mean to you to say, I'm a man, I'm going to be a man. Like what, what was that? What was that like for you? So that's a good question. You know, like for me, my, so my mother and my father divorced when I was 11 years old. Right. And shook up my family, massively shook up. So before my mother left, I didn't really get along with my dad. He was quite an angry individual at times. Yeah. And my mother used to say, if I leave, you're coming with me. And I was like, yeah, we're coming with, we're coming with. My brother's three years older than me. So right. like, we're, we're going with, we're going with. But then my mother had an affair and that changed the game. Mm. So she was the good guy, then she became the bad guy. Right. And she did it in a really sort of cowardly kind of way because she didn't really want to hurt me or my <clears> brother. 
yeah. for my dad. And we then decided that we're sticking close to my dad and now bond yeah. really reversed. And we became more friends than father and son. Mm. What did and that friendship became... look like? I'm sorry. I mean, uh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. No, that, that was more of like just playing video games together yeah. and having that banter. And as I got older, I could get away with it a little bit more. And then he started to relax into uh, being this sort of free individual, finding his voice again, you know, right. finding his youth again, okay. which was brilliant, which was brilliant for him. You know, we, and we really saw a different side to my dad. Wow. Um, now me and my brother are totally we're very similar, but we're, to we're totally different in our personalities. I'm extroverted. My brother's more introverted. Okay. And my dad is like my brother. Or my brother's like my dad. They kind of look the same. If I had that, you know, when around the same age, you know, right. when my dad was 40, he kind of looks like my brother now and even younger again. But I was always a bit more, um, I wouldn't challenge. So I don't like confrontation. If I get into mm -hmm. it, I get into it, but I do not like confrontation. Yeah. When my brother is so much like my dad, they would butt heads. Right. I can, right. I, you know, and, and yeah. I could see that, I could see that happening on a, you know, on a week to week sort of cycle. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I don't want that. You know, I didn't want yeah. that. So uh, as much as you say, as I say that my dad was uh, the vision or what I saw as a man, even more so I'd say was my brother. Mm. Because because I'm so close to my brother, it's ridiculous. Yeah. He's my best friend. That's my boy. That you know, that's my man's. And we he he turned me on to so many things. Like for example, um, all, since the age of twelve, I've been playing basketball, and with that comes a lot of influential stuff. So we listen to hip hop. You know, we like um, certain comedies. I mean, right. um, my favorite type of music is R and B music, and we sort of f fell into this sort of way of living and a lot of the, the things that I like and the way that I talk and the, my values and the way I treat my wife uh, it's very much stems from a from a system my brother distilled mm -hmm. in me you know so as yeah. much as he my dad raised me I got to give mad credit to my brother who also sort of raised me as well yeah, that's deep I don't know if you see me sitting here wiping my eyes I got tears in my eyes because of that that bond that you have with your brother that's the same bond that I have with my brother's I'm the oldest of two bo of three boys. And, you know, when mom wasn't there, when dad wasn't there, it was just me mm -hmm. and my brothers. We had no choice but to be close. So when you're talking about what you and your brother had, that takes me back to my childhood and how mm -hmm. I had to be dad. I had to be the adult at times. I'm talking about at six, seven, eight, nine years old. I had okay. to step into an adult's role and always protect my brothers, be there for my brothers, man. So... Um, I know what that bond is like, man, and with that, that when you had no one else, you guys always had each other, and that, and that was oh. you. And I, and I hear that oh. coming out when you speak about your brother. That got me a little, got me a little emotional, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> Still close. Well, you know, it's 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 authentic, and it's you know, it's yeah. raw, and yeah. it's from the heart. Like you know, yeah. I, I speak to my brother pretty much every day, and we're yeah. always talking yeah. smack about something. You know, yeah. yeah. about the NBA playoffs currently, and we're doing this, yeah. and we're talking. Oh, I was. He, he, he called me today, and he's like, oh, I was just. I was cracking iron and I was just in the gym and I was like, look, look what song came on. It was like the Lord Chief Rocker. And I was like, oh, that's the gym. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, you yeah. know, we're like, so it was always these things that we, we, we always connected, you know? So, um, he, yeah. It's, it, was so. he like your safe haven? Was he, when you had nothing else, when things got rough between mom and dad, was he your shelter? 
Yeah, he kind of was. You know, I didn't, I don't really, I didn't really see it at the time. You know, but I always yeah. knew he was there. Like, always knew that yeah. my brother was there. You yeah. know, and, and a, lot, a lot of I see as well is that he's. When I say I'm extroverted, he's introverted. Yeah. And they always say, when a quiet man talks, you better listen. Yeah, yeah. And when my brother spoke, I listened. Right, right, right. That's that's. So I knew. Point. So I knew it was important. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. right. Not someone who's <laughs> yeah. always running their mouth. See, I, I was the exact opposite. I'm always talking, but when I get quiet, <laughs> uh-oh, it's a problem. <laughs> Everybody knew if, if, if D is quiet, oh, man, look out, it's a problem. But exactly so, man. Yeah, I know. They yeah. say, what's the matter, what's the matter, Ryan? Nothing, yeah. I just want to be quiet. Like, yeah. you know, it's fine. I, can be, I know. <laughs> right, right, right. So, I know you told me a little bit about it already. You, you know, you had a divorce. You've seen your dad coming up. He was the rock. He wasn't truly, he didn't say a lot, but he had he carried a lot of emotions. But mm, very it, emotional, by the way. Extremely emotional, like heart on the sleeve. Like, he's crying yeah. all the time. And that made me realize that pe- men, you know, if we're trying to break that mold, it's okay to cry. And he he is exceptionally emotional. Like over at the smallest of things to the biggest of things. Oh wow. So then that, disti- that distilled in me then that I'm a, I'm an empath. Like I'm I'm feeling everything, you know, I'm I'm, I'm wow. taking it all in and I'm just like let's just let's just go. If I'm gonna cry, I'm gonna cry. That's I don't great. care. That's great. That's great. So what made you the man you are today? And, as far, and I mean, as far as tell me your story, I know we talked about the divorce, we talked about the things going on, but what got you to the positive self-storyteller? What got you to this big rush with mental health, this big push with mental health awareness? What got you here? Okay, I hope you've got a bit of a long time because I'm about to get into it. Here we go. Get into it, brother, yeah. Okay, okay. So when I was uh, 15 years old, I met an individual who was a friend of the family, a friend of my brother's friend of my dad's. He was a friend of my next door neighbors, first of all, foremost. And then we sort of got together and we just started mingling, you know, and things develop. And I became quite friendly with him. Again, you know, I sort of saw him as this, uh, I, I kind of admired him, actually, because he was yeah. kind of a cool individual, you know, like little things, like stupid things when you were a kid, like he could walk on his hands. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I want to do that. And, you know, right. you know it's like, so uh, we became friends and then it, he took it to a place that became really uncomfortable uh, to the point where uh, he would start to impose himself in a really um, uneasy, awkward kind of way. You know, I would go around his house sometime and one time I remember and he said to me, uh, just come in the bathroom quickly. I'm just in yours. So I popped myself in and he's getting out the bath. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay. That's, you know, this is a no-go. This is a no-go. And this then progressed and this became a bit more and a bit more to the point where he turned to me one day. Oh, we went, uh, so we're going to go. So he then, uh, he, what's the one trying to say? He then on purpose made a point to uh, expose himself to me. Mm. And uh, I was, and I lost my shit. I remember in, in the car with him and he said, uh, oh, you know, look at this. And, and he flashed and I was like, what the fuck? Sorry, my language, man. And he, and, he, and I was like, this is, this, okay, this is a no, this is no. And I remember I was so emotional. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, this is a, a, a really close friend. I admire this guy. And he then takes it to this level that, you know, I'm 15, 16. I'm going through puberty. I'm going through a lot of changes. I'm becoming more of a man. And then I get this thrown at me. Yeah. My brother's also away now. He's living up in uh, university. He's gone up, uh, you know, a couple of hundred miles. Mm-hmm. Up the UK, so 
and my dad's entered a new, I start to, you know, get out there and enter new relationships or whatever. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of change happening. Yeah. So then he turns to me and tells me that he wants to get into a relationship with me and that he loves me. Mm-hmm. And everything that he'd done up until this point is a grooming phase. So he was, he yeah. was physically grooming me to be something that I had no no knowledge of and I was unaware of it and I had no intention of doing anything mm-hmm. at all but I was made to feel like it was my fault yeah yeah I was made to feel that I give him all this impression I give him all these lead-ons all these things that you know oh I read it wrong I read the situation wrong and I was like what the fuck what situation do you read wrong because I'm in the same situation you know, I don't know what situation you're talking about, but that is not the situation right, I made not, on the table. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? So um, <laughs> as, time went, as time went on, he faded out of my life, so, which was good for me, and I buried that deep, real deep. Mm. So I'm going through and go through um, high school, into college, you know, shit and usual stuff, and then, you know, into university. And this is with me. I tell a few friends and a few girlfriends, not to the extent because I just need to get some of this off my chest. Yeah. You know, and I also tend to, I sort of started to have this um, sexual uh, confusion at mm. times. I didn't know whether I was gay. Yeah. Because I felt so strong that this was my fault. And wait, now, is this, do I, am I, am, is this me? Is this like, right. do I, is this right. the route I'm going to go down? So we move on till I'm 30, so 15 years on. And I meet my wife, who's my, my wife now, my queen, my everything. Right, right. And she, I, I moved away with her uh, to uh, to Scotland on a job, and I met this guy just playing basketball. Just you know, because whenever I go to a new city or a new job, first thing I do, I gotta find a court. You know, I gotta play. So I met this guy. And we're playing, and uh, we go to uh, a gym after it, and we hit the spa and the sauna and the steam room, whatever. So I come back home and I said, "Oh, I'm having a good day." Blah blah. And she said something. I can't know what she said, but it sparked something in me that made me realize, ah, oh, shit, I have not dealt with my trauma from when I was 15. It took me back to when I was 15, and I had all this anxiety just rush. Mm. And I just broke down crying. I don't know what it was, and I just couldn't stop. I just had to release. And from then, I got counseling. So I seek counseling because uh, I didn't know what I was experiencing. Yeah. I know I was telling, and but then I moved, so I had to move, change counselor. I moved to London, and I went to counselling again uh, for nine months. Every Wednesday it was called Survivors UK for males who have been emotionally, physically, or sexually abused. Right, and that there was my saving grace. Like it's not counselling enough for everybody, but for me, that changed my life. That gave me so much perspective. I remember going after work. And you know we'd have our sessions. Some would be easy. Some, most of them would be extremely hard. I, yeah. I leave that place. I go to a bar. I take a drink. Go back to my wife, and uh, and I, and I cry myself to sleep. Mm. And I, I had nothing. I gave everything. I had nothing left to give, and that was so unfair. I remember telling, I remember telling my wife. I, I got so I met her three years in. We get engaged, and I remember telling her that I think I'm gay mm. and her face to say to me am I not enough for you then I remember that now and it haunts me it just haunts me and I and I I just couldn't I just to, you know now even I think to myself damn like 
she's a remarkable woman and she stuck with me and knowing I, that that is not who I am. What was your thought process at that time when you said that to her? I had to get it off my chest. And this is the problem, mental health. People do not talk. They are afraid of the reaction mm. when they hear it. And they are even more afraid of them hearing themselves out loud. Yeah. And yeah. if you do not release it, it will tear you up from the inside out. It will destroy you to the point where you will be having suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to be living your best life. You'll be doing some crazy things. You won't recognize who you are. So I had to get it off my chest. And I know it was kind of, kind of comes across quite selfish because I'm, I'm delivering all these pain and all this mm. uh, trauma to my wife. And then she's like, okay, now I've been, I'm taking this on. Who have I got to talk to about it? Mm. Wow. So it's like, it's like, it's like the, it's like the care the person needs caring is now killing the carer. Yeah. Yeah, you packed a lot of baggage on her. Yeah, let me tell you, let me tell you, the the amount that she, I put that woman through, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. I don't take it for granted either. That's one thing I do not take my wife for granted at all. You know, I remember everything I said, remember everything I did. But the one thing behind this, and I've learned this now, is that, I wasn't strong enough to deal with it at the time. And until I found the one I'm supposed to be with, my true strength, then my unconscious told me, now you've got to deal with it. Now you're strong enough to deal with it. Mm. And that's why I dealt and that's why I dealt with it. That so, backbone. Yeah. That, mm, that, yeah. Your woman. And, and and the reason why I'm, I'm sitting there shaking my head because I, I can relate. I can relate. So like Everything you're saying from going back from with your brother and to where you are now with your lady, I did not get to this place I'm at now until I got with the lady that I'm with at this point in my life. And everything I've been through, everything that I have endured and done, the bad choices I've made, everything I did prepared me to meet her. And Mm -hmm. she was able to see the holes inside and fill them. Without judgment, I was able to be me without fear, without being looking like I'm less than a man. I didn't have to try to prove how much of a man I am. She seen through me. And for the first time, I allowed that. I didn't fight it. And it was I was able to openly acknowledge my shortcomings, my 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 flaws, the things that I've been through. And and it was because of her why I went and got therapy. It was because of her why I'm on this path that I'm on now. So, brother, I get it, man. I get exactly what you're saying, man. Yo, hats off to you too, man, for going through it and finding that strength within you too. And you know what you're showing them now? Because I I look at it and saying that she's now seeing what a real man should be like. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that's what I'm Because she, like, I don't want to go into her shit. That's her shit. But... You know, her father was her father was alcoholic or is yeah. an alcoholic. Yeah. So she didn't have the greatest of upbringings with men as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So now she's she's getting with a man, and you know I got to be the best person, the best person I can be. You know, for, yeah. for her and for myself. And so I go to counselling, and that goes well. And I start to learn, and I start to breathe, and I start to just live a little bit of a better life. 
Now, my daughter was born three years ago, almost four years ago. She turns four in two weeks' time. And one, it's like brilliant experience, but it reared its head again. So my trauma at 15 reared its head again after so many years. Mm-hmm. And it led me to develop postnatal depression and OCD postnatal depression. So I couldn't stop thinking about intrusive thoughts about my daughter. And let me tell you something. I would go through, I would go through everything again when I was 15 to not go through what I went through when my daughter was born. I would go through all that pain and all that heartache again to know that I will not suffer with postnatal depression. And I wrote this down because I got to try and verbalize it without giving too much. So the reason why I have having postnatal depression is because I was growing intrusive thoughts about my daughter. These thoughts stem from my trauma when I was a younger self and it spilled out and it was a negative effect on me. And when you have trauma, you don't recognize yourself. I didn't recognize my feelings and my actions as a father or a husband. And, it's, and that, again, and that haunts me every day as well. And this is why I'm on this route now. I went to the doctors and he said, you've got postnatal depression and maybe you should go on anxiety with it. So you need to take this medication. Okay, fine. I didn't know anything about it. And so I took it. And you maybe try mindfulness. There's an app called Headspace. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. <sighs> Let me tell you again. I, so I wanted to walk out of my family. I remember one time they were sleeping on the couch downstairs and I went and got my bags packed because I thought they would be better off without me moving forward in their life. And I was going to go. I also had um, thoughts of suicide, thinking that they again i can't get through this this will never end this is the worst experience of my life i brought my daughter into this world and i have to now act feel think a certain way this is just it broke me it just ripped me apart i didn't recognize myself i was developing characteristics that i'd never even developed you know and i just i didn't know what to do i was so lost Again, emotional, angry. Yeah. But it was something in me that I had no choice but to fix my shit. I I have to. There's no choice. There is no choice whatsoever. I got a daughter just across that, behind me in that wall, who deserves the best father that she can get. And that's going to be me. And there's no choice. I haven't got it. No, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I did, I did mindfulness every day and I still do it every day for 10 minutes and I just regroup and I go through these steps. I can do it now. I did it the other day. I stopped in the hallway and I just went into this mindfulness state of mind and I go through my same routine and it brings me back down and it calms me. And I realize, and I realize this today that my failure as a father back then is so outweighed by the value I'm going to give her moving forward in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's wonderful, man. I, I love that mindset. 
I love the mindfulness that you're doing, man, because yeah. at the end of the day, man, when it comes down to it, it comes down to all about a shift in our mindset, man, with the, and the choices mm -hmm. you make. Uh, and you're making the choices every day to work on you, to do better, to be better, and to have better, not just for you, but for your family. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is part of what makes a man a man. That's mm -hmm. part of what makes, excuse me, let me rephrase that. That's part of what makes a male a man. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know, we can get into, I try not to, you know, get really deep into definitions of what a man is. But I do know what a man is. And it's not about being tough. It's not about hiding your feelings. It's not about, you know, trying to act like you're not bothered or you, you can't be vulnerable. You can't show no internal hurt and pain. We have to fill our feelings without allowing our yeah. feelings to dictate our behaviors, brother. And I'm glad that you was able to do that. When it comes to your feelings, what was hard for you? What was harder? Was it identifying what you feel or expressing what you feel or both? Accepting. Yeah, yeah. It was, accept it was acceptance. It was accepting that I was going through this. It was accepting that, yeah, yeah. okay, I am thinking this way, but I can't be the only one in the world who's thinking yeah. this way. I'm not the only one with postnatal depression. I can't be the first yeah. man, the first father to ever have postnatal depression. And even to this day, I tell people that I had it, and they, and, I, and then people say, oh, "I didn't know males could get it." You, so, to be honest with you, that's the same thing I thought when you said, it. "I'm like, oh wow, that's deep." I didn't know yeah. that males get that. Yeah, because, like you say, and what the whole reason for this podcast is that the whole state of mind of what a man should look like, you know, because we don't carry our child, yeah. Yeah. we haven't got this physical connection. But let me tell you, the mind and the emotion is as strong. As, a, as strong as connection yeah. as the physical connection. Like yeah. my wife didn't, she might, you know, she said she didn't, you know, experience it or whatever. But I, t I tell you, I did. And it was, yeah. it was a hard fight. It was, and it's a fight I'm still, I'm still going to today. But let me tell you the reason why is because she is my why. She yeah. is my reason. She is my driving force. Mm. Both of them, both the both women in my life are the reason why I get up early. I say my morning mantra. I do the things that I do every day. I got to keep moving the needle forward in my life. I have to. There's no choice. There's no choice. I'm not going back. So, There's no way I'm going back. But see, what, what, what stands out to me the most, and what I get from that, what I'm so proud about and so happy and grateful that you're in this place is you're putting in the work every day. You were choosing to do the work every day to continue to move forward and that's the big piece that a lot of people that a lot of men miss that it's not that you're going to be absent of overwhelming thoughts or feelings it's not that you're never going to have some bad thoughts some bad feelings some you know it's not that we're never going to deal with stress it's not that we're going to be absent of that it's not about that it's about how to better respond to it how to turn mm -hmm. on the volume on them intrusive thoughts how to turn on the volume on them overwhelming thoughts and feelings and turn up the volume on what you do and that requires work every single day but see that's hard to do that consistency that that taking that massive action see it's a formula that i use in my coaching program and it's called you know you have to acknowledge what it is and what it isn't accept what it is and what it isn't actually what you can't change but what you can change and what you can do express where you're at with things and then take massive action and that's what you're doing every day brother and i salute you man because it's not easy 
Believe me, I know there's times I got up at four in the morning to work on me and I'm sitting here with tears in my eyes, bro, crying because it was so hard because I was being challenged. I was bumping up against my comfort zone every day trying to go against what I'm used to doing for the last 20-something years and trying mm-hmm. to change that. And then what happens is because it's not changing immediately, we give up or we quit or we revert back to those that old familiar hell because we're so uncomfortable. Because we're so uncomfortable with trying to be the new you. So you, you revert back to what's familiar and what's comfortable. And that's a prison. Oh, yeah. you speak so much truth, man. Like, like seriously, you just said then about, you know, we're not we're not staying long enough in our new you, you know, our yes. new us. So we revert yeah. back. Yeah. And I, obviously, you know, and I know, you know, the, the hip hop preacher, Eric Thomas. Yeah. And he had an analogy that I think was brilliant. It's about uh, a sniper versus a shooter. I don't know if you've heard this analogy. Yeah. So a shooter, you know, anybody can get a gun and shoot and just, and just rack yeah. off, you yeah. know. But then a sniper stays in the same spot for three days and stays. Right. Everybody, everybody is shooting, hoping to hit. Yeah. So no one is staying put. No one is staying with something. Down and in. Yeah. And yet you've got to stay with it. And anybody can be negative. It's easy to be negative. There's so much in the world out there. There's so much out there in the world to be negative about. But there's also so much positive in the world. But it takes a lot of effort to remain and to see it. That's why I don't watch the news. I don't watch the news anymore. I'm not ignorant. Yeah. I know, I know what's going on. I know the, you know, the, the players and I know what's, you know, the, the major pandemic and so on and so forth. Right. But I don't sit there and watch the news because when was the last time I left the news feeling good? Right, right. Brother, I stopped watching happen. the news in 2010. A lot of you not. I haven't watched the news in 2000, since 2010. But you said something, you know, speaking of Eric Thomas, man, he has a quote and I actually have it up on my wall. And this was something that was major to me. Don't make a habit out of doing what feels good versus what is good for you. And mm-hmm. a lot of my life, I made choices based on pleasure, based on what felt good, based on comfortability, based on, you know, I'm okay, this feels good. Now I'm making choices based on what's good for me. And Ryan, it doesn't always feel good, brother. And <laughs> you know oh, this. No. It doesn't, no. doing what's good no. for you does not always feel good. And that's what you have to get past. Oh, let me tell you, you know, so when I told you when I was doing, on, on the point that you're making about what you're doing does always feel good for you. So I remember crying because I couldn't, I couldn't get out of my own head. Yeah. And I, I, I was, I was, when I was going through my postnatal depression. Yeah. And I remember like it was time to do my meditation or my mindfulness, if you call it really, because it's not meditation. Yeah. And I was holding my child, sitting in the armchair, crying, going through my steps mm-hmm. because I had to embrace my fear yes. to get through my fear. Mm-hmm. My fear was my child. I, I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be close to her. Yeah, but that is not a choice. She doesn't deserve that. She deserves a father to be close and to embrace her and to hold her and love her. And that's the person I'm going to be. That's the man I'm going to be. I am going to be the example of what a man should be for her. You know that that's that's first of all that's great. So now that you're older, how has your definition of a man changed? What oh, is a man? Uh, to be? Yeah. Uh, so for me, 
um, my definition of a man, and it's not for everybody, but first and foremost, you got to be respectful. Like you got to be respectful of the people that you love and the people who came before you, because mm-hmm. um, they paved the way for the for the for the world today. You know, there's a lot of people who go through life currently who have this self-proclaimed self-entitlement. They just think that they handed things because yeah. of their the, the climate, the stature, the parents, whatever. That's not how the world works, unfortunately. You've got to be on the ground. You've got to work hard. You've got to stay yeah. in the pocket, you know? Yeah. So for me, as a man, you've got to have respect for the people who came before you, for the loved ones that are around you. You also have got to treat, for me, like, because they're my driving force, i got to treat my women like they're my everything because they deserve everything you know the women in this world for me they just deserve to be treated you know like the like the queens that they are you know and that that's what i want to do and i also want to be able to be loyal to my family be honest with my family be truthful and and some of my friends as well but more so as well is that i want to be able to self-reflect i want to take a look on my life continuously and say, what is it that I need to do to become better every day? How do I become a better version of myself every day so the people around me reap those benefits as well? If I'm staying in the same place, I'm doing the same thing, I'm going to get the same results. I don't want the same results. Absolutely. Toppy, you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to, and if I don't, at least I can say I tried. Absolutely. At least least people can see that I didn't sit back and just accept that I'm just going through the movements. I want to be challenged. I want to go through hard times to experience the good that's on the other side. Absolutely, brother. So real quick, what's one piece of advice you would give men today regarding masculinity? Do not be afraid to share your feelings regardless of how you feel. Mm. not be afraid to share because once it's out there it's out there because once it's out there then you can start to find a solution for that problem people can't help you otherwise you're going to keep that inside you you you're going to like i said earlier on it's going to eat you from the inside out and how do you expect to, to grow how do you expect to grow as an individual if you have this darkness inside you but remember light darkness doesn't exist without light and light doesn't exist without dark they just don't they come together. So you're going to have to go through shit to get to the good. It's just the way the world works. It's going to have to happen. Absolutely. To happen. If you don't fail at something, you have never learned anything. You, what you're saying, man, is, is, is very similar to something I say all the time regarding the truth. And, you know, I tell men all the time, you know, my, my biggest thing, I need to get him out that river in Egypt called denial, you know. And like I tell him all the time, you know, the, you know yes, the truth hurts, but the truth is the truth. And once you know the truth, you could do something with the truth. Mm-hmm. So that's the, we have to get to truth. If you're feeling a certain type of way, speak on it. Say it. Say it in a way that, you know, allows it so the message doesn't get lost in the delivery, but find ways to effectively communicate what you're feeling. There's nothing yes. wrong with that. And, that. and that's, you know, that's where I'm on this sort of, this, this, this thing now. I want to be able to communicate my stories and share my experiences and add value to people. So if there are others suffering with a mental health, you know, condition that can relate to what I went through, then they know 
and they can take some, you know, uh, going to, they can take some ease in knowing that there are other people out there who've experienced it but have come out the other side. Brother, that's that is amazing, and that actually sends way into the last question. So, what legacy are you leaving in this world? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, what legacy am I leaving in this world? Uh, I want to be able to leave a legacy for people to realize that you shouldn't be ashamed of who you are. Mm. You shouldn't be ashamed of what you went through because mm. like you, because like what, like you said, you know, your trauma does not define you and that your, what was that? What did I say that you say that, the you are not your trauma and your trauma doesn't define you. Yeah, right? you are not what happened to you. What happened yeah. to you wasn't your fault. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly that. Exactly that. You know, I want my family, I want my daughter to realize that she can go, she can go through anything mm. and she can then distill that into her family and then distill that into their family to know that no matter what is thrown at you, you can get through it. And if you want something bad enough in life, then go and get it, regardless of your environment, your, your friends, your family, how you grew up. There's always a way to get out and find it. And you know, I didn't have the, the, the worst childhood. Like I, I had an okay childhood. And there's people out there who have had a really tough time and they've, they've been raised through the system uh, they with no parents. Like my cousin lost both parents when he, but by the time he was 16, lost his mother when he was 14 and his dad when he was 16. Mm. And, you know, and I compare and I think, okay, you know, my childhood, whatever. But if, it's all about a choice. That's one thing I realized, Derek, is that you either want it or you don't want it. And if you want it bad enough, you will find a way. You will find a way. And if you don't find a way, then maybe you didn't want it bad enough. Hey, Ryan, I... I... I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. When I say these things are not popular, because what it does, it takes ownership off of the circumstances and the events that happen to people, and it puts the ownership back on that person because, let's be honest, it's not about the event or the circumstances that determine your outcome. Yes, tough things happen. People go through some very horrific things in their lives. What I feel, what I believe, what I know, though, is that it's not about the event or the circumstance that happens. It's about how you respond to it. That's what determines the outcome. And if you complain about something, that means you know that it can be better, that you have an expectation for it to be better, but you're not willing to do what is required to make it better. So that's why you complain. By complaining, by complaining that's allowing you to blame. That's allowing you to blame others and everything else around you instead of you for you not doing what it takes to change your outcome. Because people don't want to take account. Because people don't want to take accountability. They yeah. want to take accountability for the for the good things, but they want to take accountability for the bad things. Yeah. And they don't want to hear it. So like I said too earlier on, they do not want to hear the possibility of of like you know for for me, for example, I got to tell my wife that I'm having intrusive thoughts about my daughter. How am I ever going to tell her that? Like, she should have run, and she was going to run for the hills. She was thinking, okay, maybe I should take my daughter out of this environment. But then she realizes that 
that's not the man I am. That's not the character that I have. You know, it's it's something other. You know, it's this. It's your mind. It's, it's a dark. It's, it's a terrible place at times. And you listen and you feed it and it grows and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. So she's do seen, not feed it. Yeah, she's seen you, the real you, at a time you couldn't even see yourself. Wow. Oh, <laughs> let me tell you. Wow. Let me, let me, let me tell you that much. Wow. Yeah, That's, brother, listen to oh. me. I, I salute you. You got an amazing woman. You got an amazing child. I love where you're at. I love how transparent you were and how you were speaking on some of the deep, dark places you were at mentally and emotionally because this is about changing the narrative. This is breaking down society's false sense of masculinity. We deal with things. And the only way that we're going to overcome them, the only way we're going to beat this is to talk about it, to not uh -huh. suffer in silence, but to go through because you're not the only one. No, no, you're not the only one. Communication is key. Like yeah. you say, you got to talk about it. And you are not the only one. There's so many people going through this, but they haven't the strength to go through it. And they may not have the strength right now. And like, I didn't have it for, you know, X amount of years, you know? Yeah. But if you can find it within you, then just get it out there. Just put it out there for someone to listen to. Man, absolutely. Ryan, listen, man, I truly appreciate you being on. This was a powerful, powerful interview. I love your transparency. I love the openness. Uh, I love how real you are. Let everybody know where they can reach you at. Speak about your podcast real quick, the, the, the Positive Self Storyteller, and speak about what you got going on. Let people know where they can find you at. Of course, yeah. So uh, my name is Ryan Smith. You can find me on many social platforms, but you just type in Positive Self Storyteller. You know, you can just Google search that. I'm on Facebook. I've got a page. Uh, my podcast is, you know, on multiple platforms. I'm IG, LinkedIn, Twitter. So yeah, just Positive Self Storyteller. Uh, that's me and you can get me on that so you want to yeah. talk about what you got coming up for the mental health awareness yeah yeah most definitely thanks for yeah that's cool so on the 10th of October is World Mental Health Day and on the 8th of that I'm going to do a podcast where I'm going to bring up back a lot of my more influential guests you being one of them if you can make it <laughs> and um, yeah, we're going to have a we're going to have a talk and we're going to have a bit of a you know um storytellers of the round table i want to try and call it you know so we all sit down and we just express we talk about how especially i think it's going to be based i think the theme might be covid this year because there was a theme every year so how that's affected us and how um all of us have been through a mental health issue or problem but now how we're trying to solve it every day for others and also make sure that we're solving our own as well you said that's on the eighth right i'm just putting it on the calendar right now yeah, hey, I know we're on a different time scale too, so I'm trying to make it yeah, work. Just let me know the time, but I just want to get it marked on and I'm going to block it all so that I have this. I don't schedule anything else around it. Once you get the time, that'd be good. Listen, Ryan, I really appreciate you, man. Go check out my boy Ryan Smith at the Positive Self Storyteller. He's doing some great, amazing things in the world of mental health. Uh, he's very transparent. He's there to help you. He has some major events going on, so make sure you guys check him out. Ryan, I appreciate you, brother. You take care. Um, we we'll definitely connect on some more things and collaborate, man. So, hey, man, you have a good one. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, you keep doing what you're doing, brother. I salute you. Thank you ever so much, Derek. Take care of yourself. All right, you too, brother. Yeah. All right, now. I'm here, my brother. You know I love you. Yes, you, yes, you are enough. I just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, because you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man.